Welcome to the Social Justice War Room, the podcast where we talk about social justice and fiction, reality, and everything in between. My guest today is an old friend who I've known for a long time and who's done a lot of great things as a teacher of science arts, as a YouTuber, as a painter, and as an expert in junk, which is a good thing. Please welcome Carolyn Hambright. How are you doing, Carolyn? I'm okay. How are you, Neil? Good. So we met in a youth group in high school. That was like at towards the beginning of this century. Yeah, right. <laughs> Since then, there's been two economic collapses and a pandemic. Oh my God, you're right. So, but you've you've done a lot of good and I've seen on top of your time as a certified teacher you run a YouTube channel Brighter Days that's a yeah, play that's on your right. name right yeah that's right it's Brighter Days good and what you do there you do it that seems aimed for a younger audience like the so that kids can do it too yeah, that's right. I wanted to make it um, accessible to both adults and kids because as a teacher, I mean, kids love YouTube. It's one of their favorite things. And I mean, they practically worship YouTubers and not that that was my goal or anything like that, but I wanted to make my content accessible to them because I can. And so, you know, yeah. As hard as it was, I, you know, cut out all the swearing and <laughs> cursing that comes along with building things out of garbage uh, <laughs> for the kids, yeah. for their sake. So a lot of the kids ended up watching your YouTube videos as well as being in your class. Yeah, um, the, you know, it was kind of a weird situation because, you know, I wanted to, you know, remain professional at work, uh, but also I wanted to share all of my knowledge with all these great kids who I saw every day. And so eventually kids caught wind of it and a lot of them, um, a lot of them watched. So that was fun. Good. And I imagine that puts you in kind of a weird position because what, from when I was a teacher, I remember that even if you do all the cool things, you're still the authority figure. Did that <laughs> conflict kind of come up? No, that's never really come up for me because I'm the kind of teacher that's like definitely the fun one. Um, I've just always thought of myself as just kind of a big kid. And so, you know, I think that because I work with younger kids. First of all, I work I work with elementary school kids. And um, I think a lot of times there's a misconception that um, kids are really hard to control. Um elementary school kids are not. They listen to the things that you tell them. They, they generally listen. Uh, it's really rare that you get a kid who straight up will just be like, no, I don't have to do that. You're not my real dad or like whatever. <laughs> That's super, super rare. Um, so generally I have always found that I can have a lot of fun with kids and also still then, you know, if they're getting out of hand, you really just have to say, you know, one, two, three eyes on me. And they say one, two eyes on you. And then they're staring straight at you. Like that's 99.9% .9 of the time. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a good perspective to, to make things engaging enough that you don't have to be exerting controls on them. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I try and make my teaching engaging, you know, both on YouTube and in the classroom. I try and keep them laughing, keep them smiling because that keeps them wanting to come back and wanting to listen. So yeah, yeah that's generally the goal. Do the, the parents who see your videos have any concerns because while you are staying safe, you're still working with like heavy metals and electronics <laughs> and things that can explode. Um, I've never had a complaint from a parent about my YouTube channel. So like <laughs> knock on wood. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. The high point was for me of all the things you made was the laser menorah. I'm glad that was a high point. <laughs> that was, that was a high point for me too. Um, oh, definitely. I hope yeah. George Soros has compensated you fairly for that as part of the plan <laughs> conservatives keep making up. Uh, no, we, we, uh, there's actually a funny story that I don't know if you saw the video that I made about this. I'm not sure if I took this video down or not, actually. I think you now still have it when the cops came. Yeah, the scared. one where the cops came. So, yeah, a, a weird thing happened there um, where we, I don't know, some neighbor, we don't know who, must have driven by. And they, we tried to make this thing look like a sci-fi menorah. That was like the goal. Um and lasers, I don't know if you know this, like don't really show up unless there's particulates in the air. Um, so we were like, great, let's use a fog machine. So it, you know, there's like smoke and lasers coming out of this thing. And I, I don't know, I guess, and since we put some like electronic parts on the outside, I don't know, I guess apparently someone drove by and thought it was meant to, <laughs> to look like an oven and that it was like some big, like, you know, anti-Semitic oh, statements. That's, yeah, that's. <laughs> and I mean, looking back, I'm like, okay, I guess I can see how you would think that looks like that. But like, it was a pretty big stretch and the cops came to our door and were asking us all kinds of questions and uh, were not nice to us at all. So yeah, that was interesting. Yeah. One thing I admire about your videos is you're candid about the fact that you have ADD or ADHD, which do you prefer? Uh, you know, the thing is, is when I was a kid, I was diagnosed with ADD inattentive type um, and I'm not hyperactive. So, I mean, you know, I have energy when I want to or whatever, but I'm not a hyperactive, I was never a hyperactive person. So I, it kind of did annoy me when they lumped it all together, but whatever, <laughs> do what you got to do. Um, I'm not going to get bad about it. Uh, but yeah, I, I do try and be candid about it and I'm going to, I'm moving forward. I haven't actually posted a lot of YouTube videos lately. Just life has been, you know, what it is. Yes, quite. <laughs> Getting in the way and things change and I haven't had, you know, whatever I, you know, it's, things have been different. And so, and I've been actually, I've, I haven't been teaching. Uh, I stopped teaching during the pandemic. Um, it was a little too much for me, you know, a lot of, yeah. you know, most teachers were really powering through and they're wonderful, great, you know, they're saints, but, uh, it was just too much for me. I'm, you know, I'm a highly sensitive person. I, 
I'm really empathetic. I'm really, you know, I have all this stuff going on and uh, it was just too much for me. And so I, I quit for a while. I understand completely. It's unfortunate that I, I, being a teacher is a huge responsibility and you, our system doesn't give nearly the amount of actual support needed to carry on that responsibility beyond just words about saying you're saying, which it was already bad enough before the pandemic, you know, teachers yeah. were already not getting paid enough, having too much on their plates. And then with this on top of it, it was like, forget about it. You know, yeah. I, it's just, it was just, there was that time at the beginning where every, all the parents were like praising the teachers. But now, honestly, from what I've heard from my friends, um, we've kind of gone back to even worse than where we were before of like yeah. parents really just not supporting and parents, you know, not coming in. Well, I think that's not coming into the classrooms. I, I would, I was, was I, ugh, sorry, no what I meant to say, um, but that might be more because of actual COVID, but, um, but anyway, yeah, just parents being really unsupportive and just dumping everything onto teachers and administrations, dumping everything onto teachers. Um, in fact, the teacher, my teachers uh, today, I'm subbing right now, just being a substitute. Yeah. Uh, the teachers at the school I was at today were out protesting because the district wants to require them to stay at school until 4.30. Uh, wow. Like, even if they're done with their work for the day, you know, so, which is, that's never been a thing. It's like, you can't make them stay if they're done, yeah. you know. Anyway, I'm off on a tangent here because as you mentioned, I do have ADD. Um <laughs> I'm, I, I'm all, about? <laughs> it's very similar to how I am and this I mean it and it definitely is all connected like with your work you do have to synthesize a lot of different things and the things that we can can't ignore with the pandemic with the uh, income inequality I assume a lot of parents just can't give the kids the proper support at home when they're working. I assume, yeah, that's that's a huge part of it. Um, and yeah. it's unprecedented territory and the fact that there isn't an end in sight, this just seems to be something that's going to keep going. And while the danger is lessened thanks to the vaccine, it's not erased thanks to people who won't take the vaccine. Right. That's a whole thing too. And I, I'm going in there as also as an immunocompromised person too. So that's oh, like a whole other layer added onto it. That's like super scary. Uh, spoiler alert, the kids do not stay six feet away. No, it just doesn't happen. It's not, it's not possible, you know? So we do our best, but I do think actually my district is doing a really good job of like testing kids. You know, they yeah. test kids like randomly all the time and there's actually been really low transmission here. So I feel okay about going in. That, that's good. Yeah. It, it's definitely a risk. But yeah. one thing you said during your videos is you got into painting because you had a lot of canvases available. When did I say that? Yeah. Um, when did I say that? I don't know. It was in your uh, last video when you were talking about the future of your channel and how oh. you had to step away from teaching. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I had to step away from teaching. You know, I was getting unemployment. There was like financial ability at the time for me to be able to um, start doing more art and kind of dive into a different career and doing that. Um, I was teaching privately and, you know, also. And so I, I was kind of able to have the time and the space to be able to do it. So I'm really actually thankful for the pandemic in that respect. But um, yeah, so I started painting and I basically started painting murals. Um, I started painting a mural because I, at the beginning of the pandemic, like very beginning when you still couldn't order stuff online, everything was too backed up. I had some canvases. I was like, well, I might as well paint. I have all this extra time. Painted all my canvases. Didn't have any more. We couldn't go to the store. It was really early. And I said, you know what? screw it. I'm just painting on the wall. I don't care. And I painted this mural on the wall and it turned out pretty good. And I, uh, I everyone was like, oh my God, you can do this for money. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this for money. So I started painting murals for people and I did do it for money. Um, so that was really cool. And That's great. Yeah. Um, it kind of dropped off though, because, you know, as I mentioned, I have ADD and there are certain things that I'm really good at. And there are certain things that I'm really bad at. And marketing myself is something that I don't know how to do. And I don't know how to research how to do and nobody offered me help. So I just kind of didn't do it. And, uh, what ended up then happening though, is I, since I didn't have murals is I started getting out my oil paints and doing more, um, landscape like plein air painting like taking the easel out and going outside and that is what I really started falling back in love with because you know I've done art since I you know I went to art school for college and I've done okay. it my whole life but but this is just something that I really 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 fell in love with and I really wanted to talk to you about it because in my next video that I'm going to make I'm going to talk a little bit more about this is about how the the kind of painting that I do, it's called a la prima, which means all at once. So you sit, it's like, you know, a two or three hour process where you sit and you make a painting all at once. And it's um, a direct nice. method of painting as, as opposed to a method where you like layer, layer and layer. It's not like that. Yeah. So um, it's, a, it's of, a really cool method. Yeah. Um, because it's actually been very helpful for, for managing ADD and like actually being really aware of my attention and where it is. Um, so that's been really cool. And I'm excited for my next video uh, to talk more about that. Great. And you're still in Santa Barbara, so there's no shortage of beautiful landscapes to paint. True. Yes. And it also, but it also seems to connect back to the environmental message because the things you're painting are at risk. Right. And so that was kind of part of the thing with like getting started back with art is that I, I just wanted to paint pretty things. Like, it, it, you know, th the worst thing for an artist is to just sit there thinking of ideas and being like, oh, that idea is not good enough. Oh, that idea is not good enough. Cause then you never get anything done. So I said, you know what? I don't need to have a good idea. I just need to paint something nice and pretty. That's it. That's all I'm going to do. And that's how I got back into it after like a long time of being like, oh, my idea is not good enough. Oh, my idea is not good enough. You know, like if I'm going to make fine art, it has to like really mean something. But in doing that, what I found is that it really does mean something is because I'm painting all these landscapes that, you know, might be gone soon. And I think that's really important. And I'm getting out into nature and I'm now 
you know, I've always appreciated nature, but I think going out and painting it gives a way deeper appreciation for it. And so, you know, being able to immortalize those things on a canvas, I think is important. It, it is. And it, since you try take a kind of impressionist approach when you paint where your movements are how it makes you feel with the brush? Mm, no, I, I would say more like, I, I, no, I, I think it's really just more, I'm looking for composition, color, value, shape, all of that. I'm really looking to make something that looks nice. And the brushwork, I would say, uh, really is just more about finding those shapes. Um, I'm not really thinking that deeply about it. There's no way to think that deeply about it when you're trying to figure out the exact ratio of the color that you're trying to match or the exact shape and the ratio of the size. Like it's a lot to think about at once. So like, that's the only thing that I can think about. And that's why it's so rad for ADD is because it's this like meditative process of looking at these colors and shapes and, and putting down, like trying to capture exactly what you see um, is this, it's, it's a thing in my life that I have no trouble focusing on completely. Um, and we might call that a hyper-focus or like a lack of being able to tell time. And cause that's what is happening in an ADHD brain, right? Is like, it's just yeah. like a complete lack of being able to understand the time that's passing um, and being so consumed in what you're interested in that like nothing else matters. And so like, that's what hyper-focus is. And it can seem like a superpower and it is a superpower, but it can also be really detrimental because yeah. then I like, you know, don't eat. <laughs> so well, that can be a problem. But with the Alla Prima painting, it's cool because there are points in the painting when it makes sense to take a break. And so when I get to that point, I do take a break. And good. so it's like, yeah, it's like been this way of just being really, really hyper aware of my awareness, which I think has been helping me in other areas of my life as well. Well, managing my ADD. neurodiversity, since I have ADD on top of autism, all, you and a lot of other people I've talked to on these different spectrums all have our own unique ways of managing the world and coping with the challenges faced and redirecting the energy so it so I definitely relate to what you're saying and I'm glad you found like a space for that because hyper focus feels good yeah it does feel good um yeah um it's something that I've always known about myself that I like have the ability to do. Like I would sit and do Legos as a kid for, you know, 12 hours a day and just be like, this is the greatest I've ever felt. This is the best day of my life, you know? Or I would build those parade floats. I don't know if you remember, I would I do the saw, summer solstice, I definitely the summer saw. solstice that was awesome. parade floats. It would be like two months of pure hyper-focus and it was glorious. Um, but I would also like truly not eat. And then it would, I would crash and have low blood sugar and it would it was just i'd start crying and it would be like bad news so i just have been trying to be more aware of that even though you know it feels so good it just is it's also like not healthy so i i don't know this method of painting is like really helped me work on it more so yeah I was, yeah i'm excited about that and um, you also have help in your videos i see some of your friends and co-workers mm -hmm 
showing up to help, which is which is important because to catch you when you fall, so to speak. True. Yeah, I do like. Um, yeah, with the videos I I was making before when I was like making stuff out of garbage. Yeah, it was really helpful to have a friend with me um, to help me make those and help me film and everything. Um, yeah, a lot of those friends that you see in those videos have um, moved away or, you know, whatever. And um, so I'm kind of looking for people right now to kind of help me with filming. I've been kind of struggling with figuring out my process of filming during painting because I'm literally so hyper-focused on painting. It's yeah. hard to think about filming too. So, yeah. Well, been that's kind why of I, one of the reasons why I created this podcast yeah, to reconnect with people and to forge connections between people and to, in this particular moment in history, try to, try to make people think they're less alone. That's awesome. I think the podcast is great. I think you're doing a fantastic job. Thank you. And in the time since we met around high school, obviously bad things have happened. What good has happened? Yeah, it has. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, for I me, mean, it's getting married, getting a cat, and doing comics. My time as a special ed teacher and Breath of the Wild. Oh God, Breath of the Wild! Can we just take a moment because, God, that game is so good. Oh yeah. Um, and I have to say too, Neil, I've watched your art progress and grow over the years I mean I remember we were in that group together in high school and you were like I don't even want to do it like I don't I can't draw like I'm you know you know you were having such a hard time and now I see you just like putting out all these comics all the time and they look fantastic like Thank you, you worked so hard and, and it really shows and that makes me so so happy Thank you know you. as your friend and as and, and as an art teacher <laughs> that's great because yeah. I monetization of these things re remains to be seen but in terms of the fulfillment of just doing it I'm glad I was able to get to a place where I could just make myself get past the doubts that still just hang with me yeah that's the that's the most important part monetization you know that's something that you know for me that's a that's a double-edged sword. And it's something that adds a huge extra layer on top of, of art that is sometimes really great and sometimes is really terrible. <laughs> so yeah. I would almost recommend just, just keep it being fun. You know, if you're enjoying it, just, you know, just keep going. Um, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. before we close out one final question, so what's the next communication you've gotten from Master Soros? Master I, Soros? Yeah, I think he was happy with the menorah because it was a component for the Jewish space laser that Marjorie Taylor Greene was talking about. I hate to say this, Neil, but I don't know the reference that you're making. I'm sorry, I don't know. No, <laughs> it's better because she's an insane Republican congresswoman. Oh, oh. Oh, the Jewish space laser, of course, of course. Yeah, that really cracked me up. I think I reposted the video when that came out. Um, you did, yeah, you did on one of my I was, And I was, I'm like, pick me. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's... And funny story too, is that laser was, uh, full disclosure, 
a very powerful laser that luckily my friend, the electronic engineer fully knew how to deal with. But uh, when the cops came to my door, I, I actually, my first thought was like, oh my God, it's, it's, it's the FAA or like the, it's the, they're coming because of the laser. Yeah. <laughs> they can, I, I downed a plane. Oh no. No, it was it's, it wouldn't happen. The science makes that not happen. Yeah. <laughs> that was my, that was my fear. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Carolyn. It was good <laughs> to talk to you again. And I hope that everyone listening checks out your channel and your videos. Yeah, please do. You can, uh, find me on Instagram at Insta Brighter Days. I post there a lot and you can find my YouTube channel Brighter Days, but you probably want to put my name Caroline Hambright with it because I think there's a lot of songs called Brighter Days that's messing up my SEO. So um, yeah, find me in those places. I hope to see you all yeah. there. And Neil, this is fantastic. Um, it's so nice to talk to you and catch up with you again. Thank you. Th thank you for listening, everybody.